Hello, hello, and welcome to Dog Eared Book Club. I'm your host, Alexandra Shelley, also known as BB by many. And here on Dog Ear, the mission is to connect you all to books, thought leaders, and avid readers. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in if you are a regular. Thank you. You, you really have no idea how much it means to me. And if you are new to Dog Eared, welcome, welcome. I am so happy that we have united. So anyways, I'm really excited about this leader. She is someone that I have been following for quite some time. She is also a former podcast coach of mine. And I just, I just love her. I love how she shows up in the world. I love her work. And not only is her work just badass, she's also a badass person. So her name is Krista Williams, and she is the co-host of Almost 30 Podcast. Not only is it binge-worthy, it is so beautiful, insightful, and it is just such a joy to listen to. It is definitely one of my regulars. And if you haven't heard of Almost 30, she is a co-host with Lindsay Simkick, and they are two best friends, and they really just discuss all the things of self-development, spirituality, health, you know, personal development, entrepreneurship, all the cool shit, all the crazy shit. I don't know, you know. I don't even know where I'm going with this. But anyways, Krista Williams is also the creator of The Life Edit, which is a really badass program that allows you to kind of unpack your bag when it comes to your habits and the ways of living and showing up in the world. And she also has one for the digital space in terms of your phone and your computer and, you know, how you function and just really kind of cleaning up the clutter. And then she also has a program for relationships. And so I just, I love what she's doing. She's really all about, again, like that analogy of unpacking your bag and just allowing yourself to repack it in the most beautiful and intentional way. And if you also haven't heard, Almost 30 has a really cool membership program and it comes with bonus episodes. It comes with keynote speakers and, you know, seminars and also like healing sessions and programs. Like it is just so, so cool. And I also love how excited they are about it in terms of how it's been evolving. And they're just, they're just amazing. So anyways, I met Krista through joining her and Lindsay's little podcast, little podcast. I'm such a butthead. Their podcast program for fresh or, you know, current podcasters like myself and others is called Your Podcast Pro. It was a nine-week intensive program of 25 other podcasters, and it was such a beautiful sacred container where really we just launched ourselves or really allowed ourselves to kind of find our grounding, find out kind of where we can, you know, again, edit, where we can monetize, where we can kind of rewrite our brand or mission and just, it was just amazing. I've met honestly some really, some of my I've met like a couple like lifelong friends through there. I have been so deeply inspired by all the women and all the podcasters and creators in this space. And now I have like a group of lifelong like podcasters that I can reach out to. But also I now have Krista and Lindsay in my network and it's just such an honor. So anyways, this episode is a little bit of Dog Eared Book Club, but also a little bit into Embody Your Soul, my other podcast for my mediumship work, and we dive into the books that really inspired her, why reading is so sacred and so special and so important. We also get into her ultimate book, The Law of One, and how that's really inspired her path, how that's inspired her work, and just the key takeaways from there. And then we also get into a little bit of spirituality stuff in terms of, you know, pure embodiment of your truth, of your mission, you know, spiritual integrity, and and just really living out in the world just as a just as a whole being. So anyways, I really, really hope you enjoy this episode. If you haven't already, make sure to give Dog Eared Book Club a follow and a review. It means the world to me. If you haven't already, make sure to follow me on Instagram at dogeared.bookclub. And definitely follow Krista at it's Krista on Instagram and at almost 30 
on Instagram. And again, if you haven't already, make sure to follow their podcast, give it a review, and give it a listen because it is absolutely worth every single minute of your time. And if anything resonates with you, DM me at, again, my handle on Instagram at dogear.bookclub. And let's get right into it, you guys. First of all, thank you. Thank you for I'm being excited. here. I'm so excited to chat with you again. Oh. The coaching call, like we're just going to just rip on and talk about all the things. And yeah, I'm excited. I really just like you were such a joy to have in our accelerator program. You just made such a difference in the energy and the enthusiasm and positivity and brought so much creativity. And it's been cool to see your evolution through it because mm. when we first met, you were fully on dog ear. That was going to be your thing. And then now you're sort of transitioning. And I think in the accelerator, it's really beautiful because it's like it opens that opportunity up for people where it gets people really clear really fast. And that's what I think I saw with you, you know, where you were like, wow, I love this, but there's something more. So it's cool to see you on that step of your journey. Oh, thank you. Yeah, honestly, I know one of of the girls I connect with on like a weekly basis is Andrea and we are like this was literally like the the energy we felt like it was what was it we would end at like 8 p.m or 7 p.m and I was bouncing off the walls I'm like oh my god I feel so good I was always so excited afterwards and like so energized so yeah thank you for having me on there so to our listeners just to kind of make them aware This is going to be like a little bit of spirituality, goodness, but then also a little bit about books and spiritual literacy and the importance of reading, the importance of filling your mind with really important text. This will be kind of a half, half a little bit of my passion with books, half of my mediumship work. So we're just going to get started. One of the ways I love to start off the podcast for Embody Your Soul is what does it mean to you to embody your soul? To embody my soul means for me to feel a sense of peace within me. You know, I think for so long I was so anxious and I had depression and I just felt like my soul was so such an afterthought. You know, I had mm-hmm. such a mental game in my life and such a mental agenda And I remember when I got my Reiki master teacher's level attunement, I felt like for one of the first times in my life, my soul fully in my body. Like I could feel my soul at the bottom of my feet through my crown in my entire body. And I hadn't felt that much in my life just through trauma, fear, you know, negative thinking, my mindset, and to have my soul really in my body just felt so powerful because for so many people, it doesn't feel safe to have your soul in your body. Um, It's not natural for us humans on earth experiencing so much trauma and grief and hard times to feel like it's safe for that rich heart-centered soul to be living in our body. So I think it's when I feel that sense of peace, that's when I really feel it. I love that so much. I really resonate with like feeling your soul and your body and being okay with it because that was a huge part of my journey and I had like literally medical things happening and, you know, doctors couldn't describe it, but it was literally because I was, I did not feel, I was afraid of myself, but Mm. now, you know, those things are gone and they don't happen anymore. And it's just, I don't know, it's wild. So just kind of wanted to dovetail off that, but I loved what you said. So what is, oh my God, no, I just... (laughs) The question was like, what is, you know, one of the most important like texts that you've read? And I'll be like, love one. I know, honestly, (laughs) he already knows, baby. He already knows. I could change it up though. (laughs) No, just, just let it out, girl. Say whatever you want. (laughs) So you know it, but love one is a series of five books and it's a channeled text that was written in the 80s in Kentucky. I was born in Ohio. And it basically is this six dimensional consciousness called Ra. And it's the same Ra that we know from history, Ra the sun god or Ra from Egyptian, from the Egyptian times. So it's this being that has really existed throughout our consciousness and existence. And it talks a lot about how all things are one. 
And in all experiences, negative or positive, it's all part of the creator and it's all part of our meaning here in life. And for me, it was really powerful to reframe duality in our third dimensional experience because I had been so caught up in like, if God exists, why does bad things happen? Why is there negativity on earth? And that's very valid concern and question. And it's not like every day I, I feel comfortable with the answer, but really it is that it all provides us the learning and growth opportunity that we need for our ascension and our evolution. And when I think about the hardest times in my life and the most challenge I've been through and the most traumatic experiences, those have shaped me the most and those have changed me the most. And that's really what we're looking for. We're not looking for a beautiful experience in life on earth to just have fun and play. It's part of it, but it really is for our growth. So it talks a lot about growth. So love one, any of the five texts are my favorite, but that is like the most transformative for me. I know that is definitely, I'm like looking out of my books. I'm like, I have literally 7 million books to read, but that is a hundred percent a text I need to read. And what do you think maybe, I'm trying to think how to phrase this. What do you think not enough people know about Mm -hmm. the law of one and what maybe not like overrated, but it's like, okay, guys, like it's like what they're focusing on is not, I don't want to say nothing. The law of one is important, but you kind of know what I mean. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I kind of do because, you know, in law of one, it talks a lot about the ascension process. And I think so many people get caught up on ascension as like a means to escape our experience, but really it's like not looking at it as a way to get out or a way to bypass or a way to avoid all of the parts of our ascension process. So I think people get really caught up on the ascension process because in Law of One, it talks about how to ascend and ascension and like what it feels like to ascend. But I think the part that people, that really is something I think people need to understand more deeply is free will and free will as like a basic core principle of our universe. And I think in our planet on earth, there's so much violation of free will where people feel like they can tell people what to do. They can judge others for doing things that they wouldn't do. They can control people. They can manipulate people. They can, you know, write in the Bible, thou shall not. They can, you know, tell people they should or shouldn't do things. And really those are all violations of free will and under the creator's experience or watch, we should be able to do whatever we want, even if we totally don't agree with someone else doing it. And it goes as, as far as extreme as your imagination will allow in the law of one. Not that I'm saying I condone any of this. It's not that it's just like, we need to allow people to do what they have to do as part of their own unique path to ascension or to, you know, to greater love and understanding of the universe. And so I think free will is like a huge part of it that people really don't understand as well as they should. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I love that you said that because yeah, even in different ways that are so parallel, like, you know, what I feel like what we've been seeing often, or at least what I've been seeing often on Instagram, which I really want to speak to a little mm-hmm. bit in this podcast is just you know, uh, the spiritual red flags. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I look at like, there's this one pose and I was dying laughing. I'm just like, oh my God, this is unreal. But it's so true because people forget like the whole ascension thing. It's like, no, our purpose is to be on planet earth. Like mm-hmm. our feet are on the ground mm-hmm. and you know how people are like, I don't even connect with my human self anymore. It's like, that's not even real. Like what your purpose is to live in reality and create change in reality. But spirituality is just simply a tool. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. tool to like, you know, assist us in this process of growing. So yeah, I love that you said that. I know the word ascension is like definitely overused. <laughs> I know. It really is. And honestly, it takes a long time. So that's the thing mm-hmm. is like when you read the text, it's like mm. we're in third we're in third dimension or density. The law of one calls them densities for the shortest amount of time of any of the other octaves. Mm. So it's like even if it's the most short, it seems so long in this experience sometimes. You know, we feel like it's so long, but it's all like when we're looking at it from the higher perspective, really on purpose and really on time and really meaningful. But I think sometimes we get so caught up in the ego and the human where we're like, oh my God, get me out of here. This is like miserable and everything like that. But yeah, 
we have it better in history than ever before as far as like poverty levels, like sickness levels, opportunities for growth and food and consciousness and all of that. So I think sometimes we're just looking at it with a negative lens. Yeah, absolutely. Also, something a practitioner said to me recently was, you know, because I was talking to him about, you know, well, in the Bible, apparently, mediumship is not of God. And he is like an ultimate, such a beautiful Christian soul. And he was like, I don't remember that at all, to be mm. honest. <laughs> and he's like, I also don't think God is that trivial, which I really loved. And that also reminded me of like what you were saying with Law of One is it's just semantics. Like it's a way of really allowing you to visualize so you can yeah. understand and, and take the lesson, but they're not that trivial. And I think that's what's happening is I feel like we're taking these texts that are just you know, information and beauty and source, but then we just kind of make it, we kind of ingrain our, our ego and our human in it. Yeah. And make it a little rough. Yeah. That's what happens. I think too, people confuse like with, when we say like, why would God allow all this to happen? It's like God allows, but God does not do. So it's like when mm. people, when bad things happen, we are the ones that are doing it. It's not like God is that person that's going to stop or control. Like, I think we sometimes think that humans are God and God is humans. Like, yes, we are God, but we're a fractal of God. So it's like we sometimes get that confused where we're looking for that. But in the Bible, does it say in a passage about mediumship? I'm curious about that. Apparently, you know, I'm not trying to like put anyone on blast, but in my immediate family was like, BB, like my good friends that are Christian are terrified. And it's just interesting because, I mean, I it made me almost like, well, should I study the Bible? Like, should I know more? And I'm well, no, like I'm not here to use God as my sword or as a weapon to like defend myself. I'm just going to use, not even use, I'm just going to embody my connection with source as I know this is to be true and I know it's pure. And I think that's probably why maybe the whole thing like, what do you, what do you say? I feel like with everyone, the kind of where toxicity and ego is getting really slippery with spirituality is that's Our where I think people get where Christians or anyone gets a little terrified of it because it's like you're kind of losing your mind which yeah. yeah like there's unfortunately there was John of God and his ego got incredibly slippery but it's just yeah I think people you know when you're in such a and I don't I don't hate on Christianity at all mm -hmm. but you know but it's like when you have a control of your experience through this lens of Christianity where you understand this is good, this is bad, this is what we say, this is what we don't say, this is what I do, this is what I don't do. And then you have someone that's like, actually, there's different realms, different beings, different types. God loves everyone. You know, God, a lot, you know, it just is really disorienting for someone that's oriented their entire experience on these certain set of beliefs. So mediumship, I'm sure, is very scary for them. And also, too, when you're a Christian or I grew up Catholic, you have an idea of good and evil. And there is the experience of good and evil and their density, but you also see like hell. So you think of demons and all of that, which do, from my perspective, exist. There are negative entities, but you really look at it from that lens. So anything that is not of God sort of in that framework is dark, you know, is the enemy, they call it, is like something that's bad. So it makes sense that they would be scared or judgmental, but you really have to do whatever you feel called to do when you're called by spirit. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. So when it comes to texts and, you know, literacy and understanding who you are, how is, I mean, with, you could even obviously frame in whatever way and whatever book calls to you, or if it's like kind of a general thing, mm -hmm. how is that allows you to center into yourself and inspire. Yeah, like I'm I'm really excited to see your your new tarot deck come out and all your other beautiful exciting projects, but I would love to hear how literacy has just informed you just as a person how that's inspired you and inspired just the work you do in the world. Yeah, I love that you talk about this so much because it's been a goal of mine since we started the podcast. You know, we started six years ago and I would hear myself on the podcast and I'd be like, 
oh my God, my <laughs> voice and, and the way that I spoke and the words that I said just felt like my not self, you know, felt like my not who I was. And so over the past six years, I've been reading so much more and practicing being a great speaker and using my vocabulary and feeling like the words were sufficient enough for what I was trying to convey. And so literacy has been huge. Also, the fact that we interview authors all the time and we talk about health and wellness and spirituality. So we have to stay abreast of like the most beautiful texts and all of these amazing things. And, you know, I just find that the more that I read, the more that I understand that there's so many messages that are just repeated in different Mm. ways and that nothing is really original. It's all sort of like a different flavor of something else, which is actually really beautiful and comforting from, from a perspective. So I think if people want to get ahead in life, if you want to feel like you're interesting or you're staying interested in your experience or you're learning or growing, you can listen to podcasts and YouTube for sure. But I think there's nothing really like a book or reading something that you really, really love. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. So I'm going to ask like one of my favorite questions I usually ask on dog-eared, but what is uh, your earliest memory of reading? Oh my God. This is a good one. Ooh. I think, oh my gosh. I loved Roald Dahl. Yes. Dude, Roald Dahl. I remember <laughs> reading the BFG, The Witches, James and the Giant Peach, and um, there was a few. I read every single World Doll book, and I just remember like having this experience of just like wonder and amazement where I could be totally transported into a different thing, and then that evolved into Harry Potter, and that evolved mm. into you know different things. But I just was like, I loved it more than I did anything else. Like I loved it more than TV. I loved it more than anything else, and as like someone that is spiritual and loves to use my imagination. It was just so enriching and fulfilling. And I loved that I could just be sitting and totally engulfed in this new thing. So it was Roald Dahl was like my favorite books ever, my Mm. favorite author. I love that. And it's so, I, you even saying like the witches, I'm like, wait, I read that book ages ago and I remember loving it. Yes. Um, Yes. I need to, I need to read that book again. He kind of, I might be, I might be wrong, but for some reason, I I tie him like in similarities to one of my favorite authors, Kurt Vonnegut. Like he has oh, yeah. kind of like oh, that, yeah. that like satire, black humor kind of thing. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's weird. Roald Dahl was like very. I actually was gonna read. A, my mom read about an autobiography. He was like kind of a weird bird. There was mm-hmm. like a weird. He was kind of weird, and it was. Yeah, like someone. The witches was pretty dark, and his ability to tell these really dark sort of themes and messages at times in these books was just so fascinating. So yeah, I mean, if you're writing a book, I always think too with channeling and mediumship, like a lot of these authors, they're tapping into a consciousness. If they're pulling these experiences like Game of Thrones or like J.R.R. Tolkien Mm -hmm. or like a lot of sci-fi and fantasy, like they're very much channeling something like Star Wars. And so when we talk about spirituality, like, it can't not be spiritual to write a book like these books that we read that are so out there and so experiential. I love that you said that. Yeah, I know I was talking to a friend years ago. He's one of my dearest friends from high school. He's so incredibly gifted in like music and poetry. And we've really connected as, you know, just kind of artistic you know, friends who are like, we're depressed and we love writing or yes. whatever. Oh my God. <laughs> like, that was the whole, that was the whole vibe. I think that was yeah. cool then to feel that way. <laughs> it, to- it totally was. And then honestly, my view completely shifted when I read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And she's like, what? So good. What are we doing, guys? Like creativity is a dance. Like it wants to play with you. Like it's not a battle, you know? And it made me feel so much better because even just the perspective of our parents' generation is, oh, like the starving artist. And it's like, no, we actually, it's not a little business. It's not a little art yes. business. It's like we are creators and Thank goodness you have us because where would like color and magic be? Big Magic is is one of the best books. Like I just really loved it too for being the creative and the entrepreneur, especially because I quit my full-time job to pursue my passion at the time was blogging and I failed. Like I just could not make 
an income that was sufficient enough for me. And I remember reading that book and was like, wow, I was putting pressure on my creativity by quitting my job. And after that, I another nine to five and I worked for two years while we built almost 30. So we were, I was basically doing two full-time jobs. And it seriously was like major for us in our growth that I didn't have to count on almost 30 for money right away. And it could evolve into what it was naturally and it could feel feel really good. And so big magic is like a, a must for any creative or entrepreneur, I think. Mm-hmm. hundred, a hundred percent agree. So I want to get into a little bit of uh, the spiritual juiciness of what we are seeing today. I would just love to hear your view on performative spiritualism because it's been so interesting. And I remember going into, I'm a medium. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be friends with all the light workers, blah, blah, blah. They're all so cool. Then I'm like, wait, actually like, it's almost like you join a sorority and you think you'd be friends with all your sisters, but you're like, "Ah, like, you know, whatever. But it was just interesting. And it's actually just like anyone, even just having your bridesmaids, it's like, okay, like these girls or this community is actually so, so small and so niche. And I always see, have seen myself as someone with a ton of friends, but now I'm like, okay, it's really paring down. Even one of the things I was dealing with the last couple of weeks is like this pre-grievance of like, wow, like my friendships are really going to change and my connections are really going to change based on integrity. And, you know, I guess that kind of went in like a few directions. but But that's what's interesting too. You know, so I think there's so many different things there because what happens when we become spiritual, and this also happens in religion, is where we feel like we're better than people at times because we're more spiritual. And I think that's the trap of spirituality where you're like, I'm praying, I'm meditating, I'm connected, I'm doing all the things to be spiritual, which could be very truthful where you like, wow, you are deeply connected to your soul and God, or you could be using it as a way or your ego sometimes uses it as, use it as, uses it as a way to make yourself feel better than people and continue to keep you separate. Because when you become spiritual or awaken, the ego has less of a place to hide because you're starting to really understand the ego. A lot of our spiritual journey is really understanding and working with our ego because our ego is, is so much of our experience. And so, you know, we can start to lose friends on our spiritual journey because we're awakening and because it's confusing for people or it's scary for people because they're feeling stuck and they're feeling intimidated by your light or by your awakening. Or it could also be because we start to become spiritual and we feel like we're different than people, better than people, or that they're not aligned or they're not awakened or they're not conscious. So it's such a dance that we have to do. And I often catch myself in that way sometimes as well. And I remember when I became vegan, you know, 12 years ago, I've been vegan for like 12 years. I was totally like that. I was like, oh my God, everyone that eats meat is like just (laughs) so unconscious and so blah, blah. And I had these judgments. And when we feel like we're doing something that's good, this is happens in all of culture and people, morally superior. We Mm. then feel like we can judge people. We then feel like we can shame people. So it's always being mindful of where we feel like we're morally superior than everyone because being human is a spiritual experience and everyone's path is totally different. So if we're awakening in this lifetime, it doesn't mean that we're better than or worse than people. So we have to be conscious to be in the trap, but there is performative spirituality where people see on Instagram that you can post certain posts or say certain things and it will garner traction because most people are really interested to know themselves or they want to feel happy or they want to feel whole. Mm-hmm. If you're telling them you're going to be happy, you're going to know yourself, you're going to be all these things by being spiritual then they're probably going to follow you and try to do all these things. And so people can perform to be spiritual and not really be spiritual because our idea of spirituality is sometimes confused with like self-care where we're like, okay, meditate, pray, do a reel where you're talking about oneness, do all these things. But maybe in real life, you're not actually like that. So it's such a tricky game that we play. And as someone that is in this space, I've met people that are not spiritual, but play spirituality online. And I've met people that literally would never say that they were spiritual, but are the most spiritual people. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's really like a sense of peace and truth and groundedness and love and gratitude for themselves. Yes. I, I love, I love that. And I know that's something my, 
my actually my previous mentor told me is there's no spiritual life or life. It's just life itself. And it brought me so much comfort because I thought I was doing things wrong. I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. I'm reading like oneness. I'm not reading, you know, I don't know, just I'm into this and they're into that. And am I doing this right? And I know you did an episode on it. It's like, should I be dating someone that's also spiritual? And it's like, no, Mm -hmm. definitely not. There's like this wholeness and just being a part of life and holding these values and embodying it. So I, I love that. I love that you said that. Yeah, it's the, yeah, the dating thing too. I remember that with my husband because I've mm. been with my, my husband for 10 years now and I definitely have awakened as part of our being together. And I remember I'd be like, aren't, why aren't you meditating? Why aren't you doing yoga? Like, why aren't you having green juice? All of these things. And what I didn't realize is that like, I was sort of outside reaching for spirituality because I thought it was coming from the outside, mm. but he was just like embodying it and being at peace with himself mm. and checking in like, oh, does this feel good for me? No, doesn't feel good. Does this feel good for me? No, doesn't feel good. And actually he was being more spiritual than I ever was because I kept looking for outside mm. and he was just always going in. Mm. Oh my God. No, I love that too. Cause even I know my partner, he is actually like, he definitely wouldn't describe himself as spiritual, but he's so observant and so methodical and so Mm. empathetic. I don't even think he realizes how empathetic he is. And it's like, he is really like such an embodiment of God. I mean, if, if I told that to him, he'd be like, what? (laughs) It's almost like the best part. Cause he's like, what are you talking about? I'm a shithead. (laughs) um, Yeah. I, I love that. It's so glad you have that experience too. Mm -hmm. Oh, hardcore. I mean, I, I actually did an episode on it with um, Andrea and she's she's really given me so much beautiful advice on it. Because, yeah, I'd be like, well, how is how is he taking care of his mind? You know, why is he like, why is he buying like processed food when he knows yes. I can't eat that? And I would take yeah. it personally. And it's like, no, he eats it because he likes it. And like, he's going to like, he will live with it. And, you know, yes. if he if he. I don't know, because so much of me is like, if I had the ability to just buy the groceries, I would. But you know what, Beebs? You are not controlling him. He is an adult. You also don't live together. Free will impeding on someone's free will when you're like, you should do this. Justin, my husband's always like, don't say you should. Because I'd always be like, you should do this. You should do that. And I did learn from that. I'm like, oh, wow, that's so true. Because I was like, just very much impeding on his experience by being like, you should do this. You should do that. And yeah, in the love one, it has this really beautiful chapter where, so Ra was being channeled through this woman named Carla Mm. and Ra, they were in the channeled state and Ra was being channeled through Carla and Ra was saying how her energy was low because she had given up buying new things for that month for Lent. And he said that because she was giving it up from a lack mentality rather than an abundance mentality, it had lowered her vibration. So she did it out of a state of shame and guilt where she was like, I shouldn't buy anything for a month. I shouldn't do anything. And because her energy was shame and guilt, that's what raw was having to be channeled through, which was much harder than if it was like abundance and love. So we always have to check in with like our intention behind things because those matter. So with your boyfriend, as an example, it's like, him eating processed foods, if you have an energy and intention of like love and joy and expression and, you know, nourishment, when you're doing that, your experience of that food in your body is going to be so different than probably ours where we're like, we're going to die a slow death if we literally eat, you know, process food. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, as someone you've, you've been in like the creative space for a while, you've talked to like so many amazing people. You're even creating like your own, your Mm -hmm. own project based on your work and like your inspiration from a spiritual text. I mean, what has been some key takeaways and what has been like the greatest struggles? Yeah. So I'm making um, two decks actually. So I'm making a tarot deck a standard tarot, and then a law of one deck. So when I started to make the deck, I started to make a law of one deck, but then I realized when I studied the law of one more that the law of one tarot is actually very different than how we do tarot. Mm -hmm. It's more so an archetypal study. So there's these 22 archetypes within the law of one that basically document the ascension process that we're supposed to study to support our ascension. 
And in tarot, we use it for more divination purposes, more, you know, like answering questions, more just card reading rather than like a study. So I realized I'm like, oh my God, I have to make two decks. So I've been making these two decks for two years now. They're finally off to the printer and we're going to be launching them in the next couple months. And what I've learned is like, oh, so much. I've just learned just patience. And I think we see people on the internet and we're like, I'm launching this. I'm doing this. I have this. And it's just, it looks so fast. It looks so overnight, but real things that we love that are meaningful to us take a while. And this has taken a while for me. It's taken a while to write all the copy, to cross-check, to study. To, like there's over a hundred pages of copy with something like this. So mm-hmm. it's like in each deck, there's over a hundred pages. So it's like, it's just how can we take the pressure off of us to do something? And when are we doing something for the validation rather than just because we love it? Mm. And so we always have to come back to like, if no one saw this or no one bought the decks or no one did anything, would I be proud of it? And I always am trying to come back to that. So I've learned so much about patience. And also I think after we launch the decks, I want to teach people how to do decks because it's actually a lot harder than I thought. You have to be very specific about the printing, the edges, the paper type, you know, the card type, the boxes, and there's just a lot. So I want to help people because I feel like a lot of people have decks in their heart they want to bring through, whether it's like Oracle cards or, you know, Mm -hmm. animal totems or anything like that. So I'd love to support people in doing decks, but I've learned a lot and I'm just so excited for it to come out because it's been such a long time coming. My gosh, so exciting. I selfishly want to ask more about the deck, but I personally, like, I don't really know anything about tarot. I just, like, have a friend that does tarot for me. So, I mean, if I were to pick up your deck and Uh just use it today, like, how would I go about it? Yeah, I think you would use it for readings probably. So Mm -hmm. what you would normally do is, you know, you open up the container for your reading, kind of set the intention with the person that you're working with. And then you'd probably pull cards to clarify or validate what Mm -hmm. you what you were picking Mm -hmm. up on. So you'd be like, okay, I'm kind of feeling like they need to like there's a partner they should be working on a project with. And you're like, okay. And then you just pull a card and you're like, oh, two of cups. Perfect. Confirmed. You know, you're like, okay, I feel like they should quit their job, but I don't know how to say this. Okay. Tower card. Perfect. And Mm. so it really helps confirm your intuitive hits. And that's what really tarot is. It's like, for me, it's been such a beautiful practice in synchronicities and Mm. being like, okay, I kind of feel this going on. Now the cards are also saying this to me. This is helpful for me in bringing confidence to my intuitive hits. So I would definitely, you know, of course I want to get you a deck when you have it, but use it for your readings for people so that it can support you in just bringing the most clarifying message. Oh, I love that. I'm so excited. And I actually, I I wrote something about it the other, the other day, cause it's just so intriguing. I think, um, you know, people are, especially honestly, when I was working at Mystic Journey, it was so fascinating, you know, watching, I remember seeing this one customer come in, like every time I was there, I mean, I only worked there three days a week. So I don't know if she came in every day or like a couple times a week, but she would always be getting something new. Or I remember one time I stayed a little bit later because this woman was like, oh, I'm getting these crystals because my, my brother-in-law or someone has cancer. And my, my boss was like, you got to kind of like ask her to leave because it's like closing time. But it was interesting because not only did I see like, you know, a wonderful wholeness in the community, but it's like people reaching for these tools if they work. And I just thought it was so interesting because really at the end of the day, it's intention and how you use them. But I would love to kind of hear your thoughts on like you're creating a tool for people. And, you know, I think what also happens with what I believe with spiritual perform- performance, performative yeah. spiritualism is like we just make these kind of the end all be all. And I was at a point where I'm like, well, I know, first of all, I know nothing. I know Jack about astrology. I know like a little bit, but really not anything. And I was like ashamed of, should I know more? And I'm like, well, no, maybe later when I'm interested, but um Anyways, I was kind of going off, but I would just love to hear your thoughts on that. Modes and methodologies of spirituality. And in the law of one, it's interesting because Ra talks about either choosing Kabbalah or astrology or tarot. 
to mm. study our ascension. And so picking one of those, whatever you feel most called to. And it's interesting that Kabbalah was in there because I didn't expect that to be in there. But yeah, it's really what feels called to you. And for me, I use tools intermittently. Like I'm not, I don't subscribe to any all the time. I don't do something forever. I know astrology. I know human design. I know, you know, tarot enough that feels good for me, but I don't get like obsessed or like outsource my intuition to them. Cause I think that's what happens a lot of times is people give their power away to these tools. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think that's what's happening with so many things now. I mean, even I had an amazing conversation with this one woman named Chiyama and mm-hmm. she coins herself as like the mindful bookkeeper. And I love it because she, she recently did a podcast with Chelsea Reif on like, is money mindset making people broke? And it was just so fascinating because it's like people are serving these tools, but it's like, no, the tools should serve you. You know, Mm. you should, it's like a dance with the tools. It's not like, well, I'm not manifesting right. Or like, I'm not using my crystals right. It's like, no, it's just an intention setting. 100%. Yeah. I want to listen to that because I feel like Yeah. And it's a lot of times it's like people just regurgitating what they hear. So they're like, I'm a money mindset coach. I know all the steps, but like there's a difference in embodiment of things and really like knowing something truthfully. And a lot of times people that are very mm, calculated about the way that they move are sometimes the people that I trust the most because it's very serious if you're working with someone on their mindset or you're working with someone on their money, you know, as an example, like that's very important to people. So if people are spending money to be doing something with you, it should be very integrated, you know? And I think that's what's Mm -hmm. hard in our space is that there's no real regulations, not that they want there to be, Mm. but there's no one like keeping an eye on who's in integrity and who's not. Oh my God. Yeah. Like even like mentioning that earlier, like that word integrity is coming up so, so much for me. Just Mm -hmm. seeing like, I think what happens um, is the way I've, I've realized based on, you know, honestly, my, my psychiatrist was like, BB, so you live out in the world and you tell your story like 100%, which is wonderful. And you're very trusting, but most of the time people are out in the world and the first time you meet them, it's like 20%. And then he kind of describes it to me as like a snail shell. It's like me, it's been such a journey for me starting out here instead of in the spiral. And even like, I mean, that, that actually analogy came with me for dating. Like when I started, you know, going on dates and claiming partners, he's like, you got to start out here and not in the center. And now I'm realizing that I'm like, wow, I really got to start and be so much better with starting out here and who I coin is like, oh my God, they're amazing. It's like, no, just start to have more of a, like an observant eye instead of jumping the gun. Cause I get so excited so easily. And especially now, I think also all the spiritual stuff is so pretty and exciting. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, crystals are cute and like cards are cute, but it's like, no, what is like the heart and the soul in Mm -hmm. it? Yeah, I agree with that. And I think sometimes we kind of get, when something's beautiful, we're like, oh, I shouldn't like it because it's beautiful. It's like, no, like God created beauty for us to love it and for us to be like, whoa, this is beautiful. Like flowers are unreal. Flowers are so beautiful. Crystals are so beautiful. And that's okay to love and experience beauty from in this lifetime. And I think sometimes we think something's frivolous or stupid if it's beautiful, but it's like, no, no. No, no. No, no. Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. I also love that you said flowers because flowers are like my favorite. Like when I am walking around my neighborhood, I am like, <laughs> like smelling like. flowers in people's gardens. Like <laughs> I wonder if they're watching me. me. <laughs> oh, it's so good. That's what life's mm-hmm. about. Uh, so oh, if you could have, and it's kind of like going back to like some book, book goodness, but if you mm-hmm. could have someone write about your life, who would it be? Oh my God. That's a really, really good question. Who do I know that's a beautiful writer? My friend Jenna Zoe of My Human Design is a beautiful writer. Mm. My friend Jordan Younger is a beautiful writer. Mm. Um, Yeah, there's so many beautiful writers. 
I think probably them, like as my friends that I really trust and, mm. and know deeply and intimately. Yeah. Mm. What about you? Oh my gosh. For some reason, the first person that came to mind was like Toni Morrison because I just – she when I was like ready to read her it's it reawakened this creative fire in me like oh my gosh you know she's so poetic it's like she's sewing you into her skin so close and it was funny because I read before I read her I read Joan Didion and I was like a little peeved at Joan Didion because she keeps you at an arm's distance uh which is so her style and I was like, oh, I don't like her. But now I'm like, okay, I kind of, I understand where she's coming from. And that's like her very journalistic style almost. I also want to say maybe too, like Stephanie Danler. I love it because she's like kind of young. She's in her 30s. And her first book, Bittersweet, was um, like, I've always loved reading and stuff. But when I read Sweet Bitter in college it was just so classic it's like coming of age moving to a new city you know like it was this girl working in a restaurant and just kind of experiencing like the rough and toughness and like you know the it's like why do I it's like I'm rubbing sand between my fingers it's like how granular and rough like human existence can be and just functioning as a young woman in a new city. And it sounds cliche, but it was just so good. And then I read her autobiography, Stray, and just I loved it because she just splays herself open, but her writing is so beautiful. And I think that's what I'm that's what I'm starting to do, like not like obviously reveal like deep, dark or personal secrets about myself on Instagram. But I am so embracing just like being so real because I'm just so over when someone says one thing and then they post another I literally it it's just it sounds so lame it's like icky it's like why you're you're literally reinforcing Mm -hmm. the bad part about social media and I'm just like these authors but then also being in this book community like literally the women that I've met in this community are so freaking amazing and brilliant. And we just embrace each other and all of our flaws and our nuances and stuff. So it's almost a combination of, I would, oh my God, sorry. Hi dear. Oh my God. Uh, Oh my God. I'm so happy an animal made a guest appearance. She did a little energy. She did a little energy work. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. I love it. But yeah, like a combination of like either those authors or even some of the girlfriends I've made on Bookstagram because they're such beautiful writers. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, being a beautiful writer is such a unique because it's it's writing in your own voice, but more. Mm. It's like, and it has its own energy signature. You know, I think that's why Glennon Doyle's Untamed really resonated for people because it felt so much of her voice, but then it also related to everyone else's voice. So mm-hmm. yeah, I love your answer to that. I love how like the specificity of it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I feel like it was, I went to this, <laughs> I got a facial from this really, really cool esthetician like a month ago. And she's also like this energy worker, psychic medium, like she's such a trip, but she was like, you're really beautiful soul, but a little tormented. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's definitely me because I'm always reflecting and undoing. And I think that's yes. like this weird tortured part of the artist or someone just being really sensitive is I'm constantly, us on Bookstagram are always joking about books that just like rip our heart out. We're like, we love it. It's like, yes. what's wrong with us? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like being careful to not make your personal growth masochism where you're just totally... Yeah, because it also makes you feel more human when you are like a masochist. Oh my God, absolutely a masochist. Oh my God, I haven't heard that word in a long time. (laughs) That is some good, good stuff. So, okay, a couple of final questions. If you could gift a book to someone, anyone, Mm. uh, dead or alive, who would it be? And why would you give them this book? If I would gift a book to anyone. Let's see, who would I gift a book to? (laughs) 
this is so weird, but my grandma mm. had an, a really bad eating disorder. Mm. And I just, you know, I think in her generation, it was more normalized. And there's a book that was really powerful for me called Women, Food, and God by Janine Roth. And it's just one of my favorite books ever. It's like, just talks about moving beyond, you know, the physical and our obsession with the physical and our obsession with our weight and the never ending goal to always be smaller than we are. And I feel like it just would have been really beautiful for her to be able to read it. Mm, I love that so much. I've definitely, definitely heard of that book. I forget where, but that's one. It's so good. Yeah. I know that's one I would, I would like to read because I know not that like years ago, I definitely, I wouldn't say I had an eating disorder, but it wasn't the healthiest relationship with food, but that's just a book I just know I just want to read and just learn more about because I oh love gosh, that. It's, it's amazing. Oh, I love it so much. And <laughs> so this is like embody your soul theme because I was like dog-eared-ish is so – I don't want to make it sound dark, but when you finally cross over and uh-huh. you look back at your life and like what you've done, how do you want to leave it? How do you – seek to leave people and um yeah I think I don't focus on my legacy or how I impacted others really as much because that's kind of like we have only have so little control over that and for me sometimes I don't know I'm always like when people are so obsessed with leaving a legacy it's like your ego wants to leave a legacy I don't Mm -hmm. think your spirit really cares about Mm -hmm. leaving a legacy so I always am just focused on like what would my soul say to God and like, what would God say to me? And I know there's parts of my journey that I really am sort of avoiding or, you know, not fully integrating right now or just not fully stepping into. So I'd want to feel like I did it all so that maybe I don't have to come back. (gasps) Stop. Oh my God. You're like, am I done yet? No, honestly, like I am. And I've checked in and been like, Hey, like, what's up? How's it going? And they're like, this, this, and this. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll be back soon. <laughs> I am literally dying. That is so funny. You're like, I thought I thought it was over. 47 yeah. more lessons later. <laughs> yeah, honestly, they're like, and this. And honestly, sometimes the lessons are so simple. It's like patience. God. You know, compassion. And they're, they're like way more simple than we think. But yeah, that's what I want. No, I love that too. That's a, that's a really, really great reminder because even – yeah, it's like, you know, people in my parents' generation, they're so about leaving legacies. And that's what I just, I loved about your answer because it's such a reminder because I don't know if I've like been obsessed with leaving a legacy as well, but just more in terms of, I just know I'm meant to really create something beautiful and I'm just excited to share it. And I just hope it, I just want it to matter, even if it's like to two people. But yeah, I love that because you vocalize something that I really connected with. Thank you guys so, so much for tuning in. It means the world to me. If you haven't already, make sure to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. Make sure to also leave a review, DM me. I would love to hear your thoughts. I would love to hear suggestions. I'm so excited and so ready to just continue serving you. Also, definitely make sure to follow Krista at It's Krista on Instagram and listen to her and Lindsay's podcast. It's almost 30. Binge-worthy, epic. It is one of my favorites and one of my regulars. Definitely be on the lookout for her new upcoming tarot deck, Making Tarot Modern. I am so, so excited. And I cannot wait to show up for you guys next week and the following. And just for the rest of this freaking life. I don't know. (laughs) I love you guys so, so much. And I'll see you next time.